Hello, Kevin McAleer. Welcome to the Juno Files. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate your invite. Now, your new book is called Errol Flynn, an epic, an epic story, epic life, epic, epic, life, epic right? life. Yes, I know. And um, now, you have taken uh, Errol Flynn's life story, and you have put it to a pro or a prose. You made an epic poem out of it. And um, you used a Don Juan stanza from Lord Byron. And um, I was just wondering, what what made you come upon doing the story like that? Well, that's the right question to ask, because it's very unusual, the approach. I, like you, had always been interested in Errol Flynn, just as sort of a... Uh, uh, an avocation almost, you know, reading all the books about him and seeing as many films as you know, it was possible to see back in the day when you didn't have video and <laughs> DVDs and whatnot. And I, like you, read My Wicked Wicked Ways, which is his great uh, autobiography, partially ghostwritten, but mainly his own words, so we can credit it to him. And that's what really turned me on to him. Uh, was his writing. He also wrote a couple novels, wrote lots of articles for Hollywood publications. And to get to the uh, answer to your question, I had always wanted to write a biography. I've written, you know, several things, novels, history, short book of short stories, things like that. But I always wanted to write a biography because that's my favorite form of literature, actually. I love biographies. Um, and I thought, okay, it's time to write a biography. It was about 10, 12 years ago. And who do I want to write one on? <laughs> who can I write one on? And I said, well, Flynn, I, I've always been interested in Flynn. And not that he hasn't been done right by other biographers. There's some great biographies of him out there, not least his own book, you know, My Wicked Ways, as, as mentioned. But I thought, how do I do it? Because I don't want to go out into the archives. I don't want to go interviewing 800 stars. That's going to take up like five or six years of my life. I don't have the money or the wherewithal or the desire. So I thought I got to take another approach to it. And I've always loved poetry. And uh, Byron is one of my favorite poem, poem, po, poets. Excuse me. And Don Juan uh, is one of my favorite poems of Byron. And I thought, okay. Uh, Flynn was the great Don Juan of his era. He even played the role in a film, 1948, Warner Brother Picture, Adventures of Don Juan. Why don't I take uh, the Byron um, Don Juan stanza, which is an Ottavo Rima stanza. It's an A, B, A, B, A, B, C, C uh, uh, stanza form in terms of the rhyme. And I'll play around with it and see what I get. Well, I, I, you know, playing around with it and see, seeing what I get, 12 years later, I had a book. Initially, I hadn't planned it that way. I just wanted to maybe fool around with it, you know, write a couple cantos, as Byron called his various chapters, and I have hence called them in my own book. And one thing led to the next. And so I just combined uh, three of my great loves, as it were, biography, Errol Flynn, and Byron, and put them together and... Yeah, here we are. I was going to ask you that, you know, because um, now you did you did uh, have Earl Conrad, um, which who was Flynn's, uh, I want to say, part time ghostwriter for My Wicked Wicked Ways. You shared this with him, and 
Let me ask you, what was his response to that? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if I read you, Jim. Uh, Earl Conrad, uh, I didn't share it with him. Uh, oh. I don't, I don't, I must have shared it with someone. You're probably uh, alluding to, uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> who, 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 no, Errol Conrad died um, many years back. I mean, I think his, his work on My Wicked, Wicked Ways is fantastic. Let's and you, now that you mentioned him, it's not uh, actually inopportune that you mentioned him because I think he wrote one of the great biographies of Flynn, or it's, a, it's called a memoir, Errol Flynn, a memoir by Earl Conrad, not Errol, E-A-R-L Conrad. It's fantastic. It's about that, that six or so months that Conrad spent writing My Wicked, Wicked Ways with Errol Flynn um, in Jamaica. And it's fantastic reading. It gives you a real insight into the Errol Flynn. And uh, so in a way, I, I didn't speak with Earl uh, personally because he was long gone and I yeah. became interested in this project. But uh, he, he was a great uh, source uh, for me in writing this work of my own. Earl, Conrad, Earl Flynn, a memoir by Earl Conrad. That's so, what I'm yeah. thinking. Is that, yeah, is that you, can, you consulted his, his work. Constantly. That's what you're driving at. Yeah, constantly. Mm -hmm. And my own work is 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 voluminously footnoted, uh, as you will have yourself mm -hmm. seen. I mean, there's some 200, and, I don't know, 40, 50, uh, well, end notes rather. It's at the end of the uh, um, the reading material, and yeah, Conrad is uh, is uh, end noted left, right, and center. You also talk. I'm going to answer that at the very beginning. Carrie Har Carrie Harrison, forgive me, who is Rex Harrison's. Uh, a son, right? Uh, now, was there and was there any trepidation on your part when you approached when you approached <laughs> him and said, "Hey, <laughs> yes, yes, there was," because he's a great literary man himself. And I met him here in Berlin. He was at this institute called the uh, the Wissenschaftskolleg zu Berlin. It's a it's a, an advanced uh, a center for advanced learning, and I, I do translation work for them. I'm not affiliated with them in any you know capacity as a fellow, but Kerry was several years back. And I don't know, he seemed like a nice guy. We, we got along and I said, hey, Kerry, you know, what do you think of this? You know, and we did a reading together and he seemed to like the, the book, the Flynn book. And uh, yeah, he wrote the foreword to it. And I'm very grateful to him. But I, but I did have a great deal of trepidation. Yes, because he's, he's a great writer himself. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, uh, the son of uh, Professor Henry Higgins. <laughs> you yeah. better get your English diction right, not to mention your prosody. <laughs> now you mentioned earlier that you didn't, you know, you didn't go to like a like eight hundred former or stars who knew Errol Flynn. Did you consult any? Did you consult any um, you know, celebrities at all? No, I didn't. Uh, I. There might have been a, a chance or two to do that. You know, I could have picked up the phone and called maybe this, that, or the other person. I do have certain connections through the Flynn community, as it were, uh -huh. where I, I might have been able to do that. But I, I thought, what's the point? You know, I'm going to get a, an interview here or there. They're old at this point. You know, they're going to be repeating themselves or uh, True. gilding the lily, God knows what. And everything's there out in the literature. The research has basically been done. So it was just my task to you know, reshape it 
uh, and you know, give the reader who has read everything on Errol Flynn something new that they might uh, that might give them a you know a, a different a slant on Errol Flynn in, in whatever way. But no, I had done. I, I'm a trained historian actually, and I didn't want to go back into the archives and, and pick up and go chasing people down for interviews. That's that's murder. That's yeah. not my style. Uh, anyway, and the other thing is the last thing is um, this is this is largely a work of the imagination. I mean, you will ha you have seen it. I mean, I don't make anything up. Every everything is right, you know, I hew very closely to fact. And I insist on it. It's not just some sort of, you know, burden I carry around with me myself thinking, oh, my goodness, I have to, you know, put it this way. But I, I, I love it. Flint himself probably gilded the lily in many respects. So once removed, I'm gilding. If I just take him at face value, which I don't always, I'm very critical of him and, and as a source. But I do, um, I do, um, I do reimagine certain instances, uh, instances in his life. Uh, I, I give them a certain interpretation that might uh, be new for for Flynn scholars. And most of all, and I note this in the end notes when I do so in the poem, I um, will, uh, I will, I will not invent dialogue out of whole cloth, but, but from what I know of Flynn and another and his interlocutor in a certain situation, then yes, like authors of historical novels might do, they sticking as closely to, as they can to what they know to be true about a person in a certain historical situation, they will then put words in their mouth. Yes. So in, in, in these ways, uh, it's definitely a work of the imagination. And uh, as it should be, it's a poem. And so not everyone should come to this and think, my goodness, you know, where, where, where are the facts? Where is Sergeant Friday with just the facts, ma'am? I, yeah. I don't just give facts. I, I give them a, a, a little bit of a, a ride, but nothing invented, nothing invented out of whole cloth. Yeah, I know how hard writing is, but I've always considered poetry to be a harder form of writing maybe the hardest form of writing. So I'm going to ask you, how hard, how hard was it for you to, to keep within the stanza uh, format? Well, I'm not a poet. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as, as people who read this might immediately think. Uh, but I don't pretend to be. This is, uh, this is uh, sort of blithe verse. You know, uh, this, I'm not trying to do Keats here. I'm not even trying to do Ma Byron, who was you know, much looser around the edges in terms of his rhyme schemes and all the rest. Um, it was tough because the uh, Ottawa Rima stanza is not easy. I mean, you got to do A, B, A, B, A, B, and then the boom, C, C, the couplet. That's the fun part. You get to the end of it and you start kind of going, whew, <laughs> made it through those, those three you know, those three matching rhymes and the other three matching rhymes. I mean, you got to rhyme things three times without being banal about it. Uh, uh, you can't just say love, glove, dove, you know, three times. you got to come up with something new, and there's about 1,200 different stanzas. So yeah. it's an exacting form. And, uh, but it was fun. You know, at, at a certain point, I noticed I was writing my end notes in iambic pentameter. <laughs> you know, I, was like, I was thinking like that. Just write it, damn it. You know, this is an end note. But you get into that way of thinking, so it's fun after a while. And I don't, I don't pretend to have uh, triumphed over the form by any means. This is sort of 
an, a homage to Byron, whom I think more people should read. He's been he's been forgotten even in the academy. I mean, they sort of poo-poo him. You know, it's Shelley and, and Wordsworth and Coleridge uh, and maybe Keats and Blake, of course. But they always leave Byron out. And Byron was always my favorite romantic poet. So it's a homage to Byron. It's a homage to Flynn. And uh, I hope I hope I haven't embarrassed them too much uh, up there looking down at me for my or uh, down there looking up audacity in attempting to uh, do uh, poetry. But I think it's fun verse if you get into the spirit of it. Or looking up as the case may be, right? Well, you, you know? never know about those two. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Now, Flynn's life at his own by his own admission was I mean, he didn't care if he embellished his own life. He says so in My Wicked, Wicked Ways. Um, but, and there's some great stories in that book. You know, a couple of them come to mind where he almost, where he uh, was attacked at a port and he, you know, uh, suffered a serious uh, stab wound. Uh, the famous John Barrymore story. Um <laughs> Do you have a favorite? The John Barrymore story is completely made up. <laughs> well, now Drew Why Barrymore wants Drew Barrymore wants to have that happen to her. You know, <laughs> she did. Well, whatever. That's what she just uh, said yesterday. Her, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, because that story has been told about a good half dozen different stars. It's like it has gone the rounds in Hollywood. Like they did that with, with Bogey. They did it with, uh, oh, so he comes to mind. Uh, and others, you know, and it's, come on. I mean, it, it, so in a way, it's one of my favorite because it's so implausible. It's like, you know, the, the gall of Flynn trying to pass that off on a gullible public. But uh, seriously, uh, I do like that story about the, the native. I think it's probably true, though, that he, 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 he did get a, a wound in a skirmish with New Guinea natives. Mm -hmm. And he, might have, he likely killed one, too. I mean, because he writes a letter to his father where he talks about having killed a man. And in all likelihood, that native that you allude to, or you didn't allude to that native, but I am now in that skirmish you allude to. That's an interesting one. I mean, here's a guy who was a murderer, a rapist. Uh, he wasn't a murderer, but he was a killer. It, 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 it makes him more interesting. It doesn't make him necessarily more likable or admirable. But um, favorite one, I don't know. I, I, I talk about it. I, 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 I go with it in the book in Canto 2 where he, he has an affair with an older uh, woman of a certain affluence and uh, – he sort of plays the gigolo. This is in Australia, and at one point he decides, you know, I gotta get out of here and make my fortune out in the big world, get out from down under here. And he, he basically uh, steals her jewels and, and makes off with them. We don't know if that's true or not. I, I wrote it up in the book as if it were true, mm -hmm. but I make I make I make a, a very I write a very long end note saying, you know, where this may or may not have been true. But all the elements are there. All the elements were there for it have to have been true. In fact, his great biographer for his time in New Guinea, a fellow named John Hammond Ward, he wrote a book called The Young Errol, fantastic work of research, where he went down to New Guinea. He went down to Australia, uh, where Flynn spent his earlier years, and he, he, he tracked down all these stories. And he himself says in this book that this story uh, of stealing, stealing the jewels from the 
the society matroness, uh, matron, uh, it has all the elements to have been true. So whether it was true or not, we don't know, but that's a favorite one of mine. That's why I took the ball and ran with it in my own, uh, you know, my own version. Now you've, uh, you've got other books coming out or you're working on some new books, right? I've got a couple of others that I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, that haven't come out yet. Uh, you want to hear about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, I was in academia for a while uh, uh, in the 90s, and I had sort of a very checkered career there. I'm, as I mentioned, I'm a trained historian. And, uh, yeah, I wrote up a, a novel, which is now out with agents and whatnot. We'll see if anyone bites. And uh, it's, uh, it's about my, my, my time in academia in the, uh, in the ni- 1990s. I have another one I'm just finishing up. It's about my boyhood in California. It's a novel novelized form about growing up in Los Angeles in the 60s and 70s. So those are the two things I'm working on right now. Are there are they any poets, I mean, any poetry in those, or are you... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I've stopped. No, no, no. I, I've stopped doing that. Uh, I, I, will, I will use the, uh, the Don Juan stanza to write little birthday cards to people and stuff. That's when I trot it out these days. How far... What was the first movie you saw with Errol Flynn? It's hard to know because uh, like, I think we're probably the same age, roughly. Uh, I grew up in the 60s and 70s watching all kinds of stuff on TV. And with my pop, you know, he just put the, cha- put the channel on this something and I, I would watch it. So I don't know. I could have seen something that age two, three, four, five, and I can't remember. Uh, what I can remember is that I can't remember that I first became really aware and interested in Errol Flynn after I read, yes, My Wicked Wicked Ways in the early 80s. And then I read a biography or two added to that of him, and I became fascinated by him. And then I began watching his films uh, consciously. I'm sure I saw Robin Hood. I'm sure I saw this Seahawk. I'm sure I saw uh, Against All Flags. I'm sure I saw Captain Blood. I'm sure I saw The Charge of Light Brigade before that. But I didn't consciously see them until I had interested myself for Errol Flynn, the man. So all all those came like immediately thereafter. Then I was like, oh, wow, Robin, that's incredible. It's fantastic, you know. Uh, But yeah, so I can't remember the first time I saw an Errol Flynn film. Because I'm sure I saw it without, without registering it. Yeah. What's your favorite film? My favorite film was uh, No Holds Bar, Barred, Gentleman Jim, where he plays the uh, the heavyweight uh, boxing champion, uh, Jim Corbett. And I don't know if you've seen that one, Jim, but you ought to, Gentleman Jim. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, have you? Have you seen it? Yes, uh-huh. he plays Jim Corbett, the boxer, yeah. It's fantastic. And- I mean, it's the closest film, I think, to his own personality. Uh and uh, he was he was very handy with his fists, Mr. Flynn. I mean, he got in his share of you know, brawls, and he was also kind of a trained boxer. He was in some amateur bouts in Australia where he grew up. So he knew a thing or two. Uh, he knew his way around the ring, and you see that. He did most of his own stunts in that film. But that's not why I like it the most. It's just because it was such, it's such a, an effervescent and exuberant effort on his part uh, with great uh, fast-paced direction uh, by... Um, What's his name? Help me out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> what, what, what's the guy? Oh, it's not Michael Curtiz, but the other guy. Not oh, John this Ford. is terrible. Some, 
some Flynn expert we have here. Hang on, hang on. I got, it, I got it right here. Let's see here. Gentleman Jim. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting myself to shame here. But, you know, when you reach here a certain age. Yeah. <laughs> my Joe Biden Raul impression. Walsh. Raul Walsh. Raul Walsh. Yeah. Pardon me, Raul. That, that's terrible. That's a terrible slip. People are not going to put no, uh, uh, no faith in me now. <laughs> Raul, but Raul, Raul Walsh, yes. Uh, he was known for his fast-paced uh, work, and it's just him, him, Flynn, and Raul Walsh, and Alexis Smith, and uh, it's just a great film. So that's it. That's my favorite film. And it's no coincidence, or maybe it is a coincidence, but it's uh, perhaps no accident that it's also it was also Flynn's favorite film of his. I didn't just choose last... it because it's his favorite film, but it, it just happens to be my favorite film of his too. Now that was the last, and I always consider that one of his last great films. That he had because right after that became when that well that movie and they died when they're with their boots on. Oh, great film! I should have mentioned that. Yeah, the, those two came out right at the time that his personal life was starting to unravel with the uh, with the uh, you know the rape case, the rape accusations. Um, right. So, um, but yeah, but those I mean he, the performance that he gave in those two films. I mean, I don't think he ever equaled that after that. I mean he. He became, yes, he became hot. He became hot, as they say. He was it was dangerous to touch him. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, now I might redeem myself by mentioning the fact that uh, Raul Walsh also directed "They Die with Their Boots On." So, whew, am I saved, Raul? Probably not with the, <laughs> the viewing audience, but hopefully with you. Yeah. So those are two Raul Walsh, Raul Walsh films, uh, great films, and he was probably at his peak in those films in terms of his looks and his acting ability and his his verve and his panache. Because as you say, yes, in that very year when both those films came out, I believe 1942, mm -hmm. the uh, the rape accusations were leveled, and basically from that point on, it was a pretty much steady downward grade for Mr. Flynn. In, in, in all kinds of ways, career-wise, per, personally, so. You know, I can't help but think of, like, you know, would he, how do you think he would fare in today's culture? <laughs> <laughs> He'd have been me too out of there his <laughs> first time out of the gate. <laughs> you crazy? Like Flynn, he'd be gone. No, he'd have no shot today. Out of there. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like... But, um, but, but, I, but, but, it but it wouldn't be like a Harvey Weinstein thing because Flynn, Flynn didn't have to uh, really do anything when it came to the women. That's his, his, his buddies were always ribbing him that Flynn, you never made a woman in your life, you know, because they were, they were just throwing themselves off. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, maybe give the guy a break. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> not for the, maybe not for the rape accusations, which we may or may not go into here, but... But, but, you know, for all his wicked ways uh, that he had with all those many uh, young uh, lovelies, uh, at a certain point, it was his downfall because he just he had no willpower. The man could not resist. <laughs> and so, yeah, one thing leads to the next. And you have you have a couple uh, uh, statutory rape charges against him. And then he gets together with as 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 wife. Uh, a, a, a teenager, he, he gets together with a teenager, marries her. Then toward the end of his life, they made a film out of it with um, Kevin Klein recently. He was dating a 15-year-old 
Beverly Adland. Yeah. Beverly Adland, right. She was 15 when he died. She was 17 or 18. But he was just, he was just unabashed about it. You'd go to parties with her. They all knew her. You know, this, this woman is under 18. And in California, where they usually were gallivanting about, uh, under 18, that's statutory rape. If you're, you know, having sex with a woman uh, who's not at least 18. But he seemed not to care. I mean, he was very blithe about it. And it was Raul Walsh. We'll get Raul one in, in here one more time by <laughs> my slip earlier. It's Raul Walsh who said, you know, at a certain point, he didn't want to live anymore. You know, he, he, he didn't want to stop drinking. Uh, he was a vodka man, bottle a day man, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention all the other drugs he took, you know, but we'll mention a few. Uh, morphine, uh, cocaine, heroin came into play at some point. His, his wife, his second wife, Nora Flynn, writes about all this very eloquently in a great book, another great, some more great source material for Flynn aficionados out there. It's called Errol and Me by Nora Flynn, his second wife. Great stuff. And you might have seen in my own book, I, I take a lot of material from her. And uh, yeah, right up there with the Errol Conrad book, in, in my estimation, in terms of source material for Errol Flynn. Did you have any part that you found difficult to write about? Because, you know, let's like, you know, we've touched upon a great many foibles for want of a better word. I don't want to I don't want to say it's rape is a rape is a serious charge. Not not trying to make light of that. Oh, never. But, of course not. No. Yeah, but he had so many uh, faults. Indeed. Did you find anything that you found hard to write about? No, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know the man personally, and I do. I am. I have very, you know, solid formal training as a historian. Um, I don't. I don't tend to get emotionally involved. I mean, I. I, I think I was a great. I was and am a great fan of Flynn's, but I'm not a fanboy. You know what I mean? It's not like. This is, oh my God, Errol, how could you have done such a thing? No, I, I knew what I was getting into. I knew the guy I was dealing with. That was part of the fascination, to be dead honest with you. Uh, his the, the wicked side of him, that's what makes him perhaps, you know, uh, as interesting, as interesting as he is. And uh, no, I didn't find anything difficult to write about. If I had to say one thing, though, uh, Maybe his relationship to his mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I hope doesn't reveal too much about me. But, <laughs> uh, but you forced it out of me, Jim. You know, I, <laughs> that, that wasn't hard either. But if, you had to, if I had to tell you one thing, yeah, the relationship with his mother. I mean, he called her, uh, you read in the book, you know, certain names that we'll leave un, unmentioned here. Yeah, we lose our rating. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, or I don't know. These days, maybe it's like a PG, but but I'll 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 refrain from mentioning the words. <laughs> but just uh, vulgar stuff. I mean, he did not. He hated his mother. He said it in so many words. He hated his mother. Uh, and uh, why? Well, she when she was a very strict disciplinarian. Uh, she beat him on a fairly regular basis. It seems when he was a youngster. That's not going to endear you to your mother very much. And it's worth mentioning because that 
in all likelihood had uh, a great impact on his relationship to women. I mean, you know, Flynn also uh, was known to raise his hand against the opposite sex on occasion. Namely, uh, his first wife, Lily Demita. Uh, it seems that that was the case, although she could give as good as she could get. He didn't call her Tiger Lil for nothing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and then there was Norma, uh, Nora, excuse me, who writes about that in her book. So he wasn't, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't uh, at all averse to, um, you know, disciplining, as it were, his own uh, women, as he had been disciplined by his own mother. So that was an interesting one. It wasn't hard to write about, but it was just, it was kind of, you know, you know, it was hard to get into the mindset of how he, how he could bring such hatred to his mother. I mean, it was very clear he hated her. But the other, on the other hand, you know, there are loving letters he writes to her, but you know how that is, you know, you, you, you do what you can, I guess, but deep down you have certain other feelings you harbor, but that was probably the most, yeah, the most, uh, uh, well, gut-wrenching gut-wrenching from an emotional standpoint that I wrote about. It's like, man, wow, that's that's brutal. No wonder you weren't that happy, Mr. Flynn. Wow. Well, Kevin McAleer, thank you for being on the Juno Files. I really appreciate you doing this. My pleasure.